The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hollywood, California. It's a sweet life. <clears throat> Malik Rashid, Chief Johnson, and our esteemed legendary guest, Mr. Clinton Sparks. Thank you very much. A round of applause, guys. <laughs> Anybody here? Excitement here? Yeah, man. Appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got to sit down. Yeah, you know, definitely. Thank you for out. having me. Yeah, man. Um, let's, let's dive in, man. I don't even know where to start, like, for. I would, say, I would say that that's not a great trait to have as a host of a podcast, <laughs> not knowing where to start. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because you've, you've had such a story career, yeah. um, you know, from producing, DJing, um, hosting, and now, you know, you're, you're in this, you know, how to win big business, you're an author, you're so many different things. Um, you know, I, I think maybe we start semi from the beginning um, you know, give the people a little bit of context of, you know, when you cracked into the industry and, and music and DJing. Oh, well, that is a, uh, a long story there, Chief. Um, <laughs> uh, started as a kid in Boston, uh, big fan of hip hop. Say what? Whereabouts in Boston? Uh, born in a town called Dorchester. Okay, okay. Uh, so from... Boston, Boston. Mm. Uh, you'll hear a lot of people say from Boston, it's like, not really Boston. Right? <laughs> we, we get very territorial in Boston. It's like, it's not really Boston, guys. <laughs> it's north of Boston, right? No, I'm from Boston, Boston. So, uh, but um, yeah, you know, big fan of hip hop as a kid, broke, lonely, uh, single mother, alcoholic father, um, uh, sexually abused when I was young for many years, uh, bullied a lot. So uh, it was a pretty rough uh, childhood. But you don't know it's rough when you're going through it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, because you don't know what's good. You yeah. know what I mean? So you, that's just normal life to you. So, um, but when I look back, I can see why I became who I became because of all the things that I've overcome and went through. So, um, yeah, man, I just was always the kid that was into music before music was the end thing to be into. Uh, people would make fun of me all the time because I'd be in my mom's dual cassette deck, always like trying to like make remixes then on her stereo, like, pressing phono and audio so I could hear. <clears throat> the cuts. Uh, then I was also a criminal when I was young, so I used to rob houses and steal cars and, and other stuff. And then um, I stole my first set of turntables, so all the older kids would come over. When I was 12, I'd be over there like DJing, and all the older, like 17, 18 year old kids would come over. So I would beatbox and I would write and I would DJ, and they'd come over. And I'd, that was me honing my skills of being like a, a Molly Mall or a Dr. Dre. Or, I never wanted to be the guy up front, I always wanted to make other people successful because I knew that I had the kind of mind that knew how to find the open lane for people like you need to do this you should do this you should look like this you should rap like this okay um, but you know being uh, from Boston and then being a white kid trying to come up in hip-hop 
um, with a bunch of people that came up the same place I came up in their mind, what the fuck would I know more than them? Mm -hmm. So when I'm telling them what they should do, like, man, what the fuck? And I'm like, nah, man, trust me. So like, I'm spending my own money. Like, <clears throat> um, you know, I'm winning talent shows. I'm producing all the local artists in Boston. And then uh, when I would try to sign my own people, it would always, it always wouldn't last too long because I'd be trying to mastermind the whole thing and they wouldn't see the vision. Um, which, you know, if you look at me, it's almost like you look at me now, you're like, yo, man, I should have paid attention to you back. There were some people that are just born, yeah. which I realized throughout life. Um, some people are just born with a natural, intuitive understanding of what dope is, yeah. right? And, and maybe it's, it's the, you know, the surroundings and the influence and what you've been through that, you know, inadvertently instill that in you. Um, but yeah, man, like there are some people like I can meet a talent and talk to them for <clears throat> five minutes and I already know like if they're not even just talent. Like if I'm in a business meeting or anything, like sit with someone for five minutes, know who you are, what your personality is, what you're about, what people think about you, what your agenda is. Are you kind of vulnerable? Are you insecure? Are you an asshole? Are you like I can figure all that out in five minutes, but that's because growing up the way that I grew up, you had to understand who your opponent was that you were about to go see, or whether you're walking down the street and you're about to get jumped, or whether you're in your bedroom trying to protect yourself from a molester, whether you're like, you know, your mom hits you, like, whatever it is, your whole life as a kid, when you look back, you're like, always like on defense and figuring out, and then you gotta size people up, then I'm like the only white kid in a black school, so I have to walk in and like, what shoes is he wearing, what kind of fucked up teeth does he have, what kind of whack haircut, what clothes is he wearing, through this out of my eye like that. So as soon as somebody says something, I already have a comeback. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I would outwit bullies when I was a kid with words. And by the time I got around the corner, they'd be like, wait, hold on, what the fuck did he say? And they come chase me and I'm gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's the ability to know how to survive, but it's also understanding the mentality and the psychology of, of everybody around you and knowing like what they think, what they feel, what they want, you know, so. Hmm. That's, that's, and that's kind of, well, you know, I guess I would say that's the beginning of like why yeah. I've been able to be so successful in music and business and gaming and all the things that I do because it's, everybody makes the mistake of thinking that these industries are different. Everything is the same. Everything in life is the same. There's just different, you know, lingo and jargon. And, Fundamental. Yeah, but like everything is the same. The same. Yeah. And once you understand that you're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not, you're all, the only thing that you have to understand how to sell is a feeling because that's all you're selling at the end of the day. So when you know what he needs to feel to get this deal done, what he needs to feel to like this song, what he needs to feel to buy this product, mm. it's a feeling. It's not about look how great this thing is, look at it. It's about how does it make you feel? How does it fulfill a feeling that you have a void in? So when I realized that as a young kid, I realized like, oh, that's the key to like to the world to everything, but it's not just understanding the def that theory, it's then actually giving a shit enough about people mm -hmm. in what they, care, what they need to feel, not just in a, in a scammy, salesy way, you know what I mean? Like I have the ability to right now, I could go start a cult right now, and I know that I can go get thousands of people to follow me. I know I have that kind of ability, but like, and I'm not saying that in a pompous way, I'm saying, because I've architected my life and I built myself by design not by circumstance. So I know what I am and what I'm not. Right. What I'm capable of doing and what I'm not capable of doing. Right. right? That's not just because like, that's just my vision of myself, which most people have a vision of themselves that's not really true. Because everybody thinks highly, more highly of themselves than they actually are, right? Yeah. Not many people will sit there and say like, yeah, I'm kind of a sucky boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm all right when it comes to that. Like, everybody thinks like, their pipe game is dope. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody thinks their music taste is the best. Yeah. Everybody thinks they dress dope. Everybody, you know, how many people do you say like, fuck man, I wish I wasn't such a sucky guy to my wife. Like you don't really hear that. You know what I'm saying? So like self-awareness is like literally the most crucial, critical tool to, to build a sustainable, scalable reputation and successful life. You, you, I want to go back because I, I, I was taken back when you were just saying a couple of things. And, you know, for uh, I, I, I think for anyone to 
be as vulnerable as you've been and transparent just in these first couple of minutes about, you know, being sexually abused, right? Like, uh, as a man, right? Like, we're, we're taught to uh, basically, we don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We don't even engage in that mm -hmm. kind of talk. Like, those kind of things, if that happened to you, you better keep that, mm -hmm. you know, close to vest. Um, why... Why is it so, I don't want to say it's easy, but why do you feel, you, you seem to be very comfortable in sharing that part of your story. Is that in an effort to help others? Is it, is it, is it therapeutic for you? Is it a little bit of both? It's not therapeutic. Um, well, I'll tell you the first day, the first time that made me say it publicly. Okay. Uh, it was in 2014, and I was commissioned to create a song for an anti-bullying campaign. Uh, from a big agency and part of the process was uh, people that were bullied were going to write letters of their story and I would write the song based off the stories that I ingested. So as I was listening to it, it was, I was getting emotional reading these stories of things that uh, people were going through and how lost they felt, how alone they felt, how like nobody listened to them or cared or like and you know I, I suffered from that like even as I'm a grown man, I still, you know, you'll look at me like, oh, he's got it together, he's got, he's, he's successful. But like, I still, you carry things from a kid. I don't care what anybody Absolutely. says. It, it molds you and you carry it, right? So carry like, things from last week. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but like, what I'm saying, there's just like some things that just kind of stick and it, it becomes stuck to you. So when you grow, it's still part of those bones and like becomes who you, you are, right? So you can't get rid of them. The trick is understanding how to manage them, mm. right? So why I've been, so when I was reading those stories, I realized, man, if I, being who I am, if I reveal like what I've been through and that I've been able to overcome it and get through it, it's not a burden to me. And the re reason it's not a burden to me and the reason I'm able to say, say it so easily at this point is because it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? So like that guy should be the one that would be afraid to say something. Got it. Right? So, um, and I know to your point, like, you know, guys feel like it's unmanly to reveal that something that was not manly happened to them. Um, but who expects you to be a man at nine years old? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, anybody that would ever feel like, you know, and it's funny because there's, there's a kid who's like harassing me online that even said like, oh, you, you're, you were raped by your dad. He didn't even get it right. Like, it wasn't my dad. But like, for someone to even write something like that, like what kind of human being yeah. would want to hurt somebody's feelings like that or try to attempt to cause damage to them mentally or emotionally? Um, so then when I, going back to that, when I was a kid, and this is going back to me being perceptive, intuitive, I was never like, why me? No, I always used to wonder when I was a kid, like, I wonder why this guy does this to me. Mm. So I was curious about him, right? And, like, and, and I, I'll have another story later as we talk that will connect like, that frame of, of thinking. But, you know, and then I'm thinking, like, why does my mom not protect me? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, trying to figure out the pieces of, of life, of people, and the way that they work and act and psychologically. And, and so I'm, I'm taking one for the team, if you will, to kind of learn and become stronger and understand and mentally stronger. But um, I feel at this point that I, I don't, it, it's easy for me to talk about because um, it doesn't bother me and I think it made me who I am today and I like who I am today. Yeah. So I think a lot of times people don't talk about <clears throat> things in their past because maybe they're not happy with their life now, mm. right? So and that mm. plays a role in why they're not happy, wow. mm. right? So if, if I'm happy, first of all, I built my happy. Yeah. Nothing made me happy. I realized what would make me happy, what I needed to do to get there, and I worked my ass off to get what would make me happy, and I'm content yeah. on the things that I built to be happy. I'm not still chasing happy. Mm. My job now is to defend happy. Maintain, scalability. Defend it. Yeah, okay. Wow. Um, you know, your Boston music production, when did, I know the intuitive, intuitiveness, um, when did it become like, damn, this is real? Like, is there an identifying moment where you're like, oh, this is like, 
a real thing. Now. I'm Clint Spark. <laughs> well, no, not that, because I still don't think that. Um, okay. But there's a moment where it's like, oh shit, music needs to be real. Mm. Is when, because, you know, back then, um, I think we're all kind of the same age. Back then, like, it wasn't easy to be into music. Like, it was a dream. It was yeah. like, that's, it's like hitting the lottery. Now, like, people think they're going to be famous tomorrow. Right. You know, oh, this video is going to go viral, man. The world's going to go crazy over this, right? But back then, you were just like, <clears throat> it was almost a hobby. Right? Um, so I was doing it all throughout high school. Since I, I started doing music kind of like around 10 years old. And then, like I said, the story of what I was doing throughout the years. Then I, um, because I was a criminal too, for like two weeks we were staking out a bank. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so you, like. You from, from, you a townie? You from the town? <laughs> Boston. But, uh, so the day before we asked we were going to do that job. Uh, I think I was 18 or 19, and I had told the two guys that we were doing that with, like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Uh, they ended up doing it and get away with it. But, like, I realized, like, man, I'm too old at this point now to, uh, to be fucking around like this. Uh, I might go to jail forever, right? And, like, I'm, I'm at an age now where I don't need to do this to survive. Mm -hmm. I can go do real shit. When you were young, you didn't have options. You couldn't go get jobs and shit like that, right? So, like, you're just robbing and stealing. Um, so I, I, I didn't do it and they got away with it. And then, um, I got a job at UPS. I looked in the back of the paper, because that's what we used to do, yeah. right? And, uh, seeing UPS was hiring, shout out to Biz. That's some <laughs> real shit right now. <laughs> uh, and, um, got a job at UPS and I took all of my, like, super work ethic and, like, focus on doing something dope, which was bad prior to this. I was a really good criminal. And I took that mentality and applied it to doing work. And I became a killer employee. Um, but, you know, how to get to the point, four years after being there, I was carrying an 85-pound package up some makeshift stairs, and the stairs collapsed. And I had hurt my spine. So I had spinal surgery. Um, I never graduated high school. I couldn't do hard labor anymore. So I literally was like, oh, shit, I have to make music my real life. That there's no plan B. Wow. So that was the day that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be Clinton Sparks now. When's the movie coming out? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I, think it, I mean, already the through line is resilience and being able to identify, you know, the thing, me watching your career um, and everything you're doing now, being early, an early identifier mm -hmm. of, you know, whether it's, the gaming, I want to talk about the gaming, mm -hmm. um, you know, those pivots, DJ producing. When did, okay, DJing, cool, producing, but what's next? You know, how do you, is it just pushing yourself? Is it like, okay, I want more? Is it, there's something like, I want to teach, I want to, you know. I just do what I like, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and that's what everybody should do. Do what you like. Um, and I like a lot of things, so I've never put limits on myself. I've never, I never thought I couldn't do something. And I know that sounds a little naive, but like, I never was like when other people are like, oh, even start music. Like, what if it doesn't work? You don't know anybody, and you're a white dude from Boston, and like at that time, New York in black is hip hop, right? So it's like, and the Red Sox and Yankees, it's just so many things. Mm -hmm. Eminem and Benzino, there's so many things yeah. that's against me, and like, I'm just like. Why would it not work? And they're just like, ah, what if, what if it doesn't? It will. And, and I know everybody kind of puts on a facade, like, oh, just, I'll just go through to the moon. Like, but I really genuinely had that, even to this day. Like, I've never made a goal in my entire life that I haven't accomplished, because I don't stop until I get it done. <clears throat> and nothing's going to stop me from getting it done. No doubt, no hate, no blocking, no nothing. Like, you're just, I, let's go over here then. I'll just go over here then. Like, yeah. Like, there's no way somebody can stop me from getting something accomplished unless I died. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, I just, to your point, resilience. And it's, it's weird, too, because even when you just said that out loud, I thought to myself, I never thought of it that, from that point of view. But I, don't, I never had a teacher either that showed me that. It was, it was really the streets. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I really went to the school of hard knocks. And I learned how to survive. I learned how to talk. I learned how to communicate, I learned how to 
hustle. Like I learned how to manipulate. Everything was out of survival mm. for me. Like even at school. You know, I, mean, I remember this one time. Um, I was I because I was one of the troubled kids. I got thrown out of school and I got sent to this school in Boston. It was called Boston Prep, and it was the bottom of an old school that was next to a police department. And I was, it was me and one other white kid in the whole school. It was a weird school. We'd go to school from eight to twelve. Like our last <laughs> our last class was gym every day. Like like what are we even doing here, right? And I remember I had a fight with this kid who was one of, from one of the, the projects close by. And first of all. We were in the hallway, it was me versus him. The guy was like two feet taller than me. He like, I got kicked in the chest and punched in the back at the same time from the same dude. Right? I'm like, what the fuck? I'm 12. I'm 12, by the way, right? And, and then, he, and then he, I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck just happened, right? So then like we post up and then pulls out a knife. And he goes to stab me and I move. And then he goes to whip me like this and I spin around. He slices through my whole jacket. As I spin around, I run to the principal's office. And then, um, so I go in the principal's office, and he's just treating it like it's like nobody, just like, all right, what's going on with you guys? And I'm like, you fucking pull a knife out on me, right? And then he's like, well, he talks shit about my mother. And I was like, I'm the only white kid in this school. Do you think, and this is 12, right? Mm. You really think I walked into this classroom and started talking about this guy's mother, right? And he's like, oh, just go back to class. And I was like, what, what the fuck, right? So I come to school the next day, and he's outside the front of the school, shirt off, shadow boxing with the whole projects, like waiting for me. I'm 12, right? I'm a lonely, lost kid who doesn't know how to defend himself, who hasn't had a father to tell him what to do in a moment like that. I literally like turned around. This is like the beginning of the school year. Turned around, got on a public bus, and I never went to school for the rest of the year. So I basically lived on the street that whole year. Um, I'd leave house in the morning like 5.30 like I'm going to school and I'd literally just figure out how to steal, how to manipulate, how to like con people and I, I lived off of like saltine crackers and mustard packets. I'd sleep on the back of like trains and buses where the heating was so I could get some heat from it. Why and not go home? Because I was lying. Like my mom would, would come home and see that I wasn't going to school. Right, so like I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I started robbing houses more because like, what am I going to do all day? Got it. Yeah, yeah. So I was literally robbing homes by myself. By the way, all the dirt I did when I was young, I did it by myself. I didn't, you know, do the dirt on your lonely. Right, I never was like, yo, we should be robbing people. We should be doing. It. No, I did it. Clint trying to keep people, you know, yeah. statute of limitations. He's trying <laughs> to keep people. No, up. no, I'll tell you, it was two times <laughs> that I included other people, and those two times. One went to jail, and the other time, I remember it was a Thursday night, 8 p.m., the Cosby show was coming on. I had Doritos and a Coca-Cola, and I just sat back to watch TV because I just robbed a house that day. And we went, and we, a woman came home, and me and the guy ran out the back door. And as we're jumping the fence, this big guy's like, hey, what are you doing? So we're little kids. We're 12 years old. We're on the fence, and we're like, I'm like, real quick, I'm like, oh, we've seen our friends over here. We didn't know what was going on. We came to see what was going on. Then you guys came home, we got scared, and we ran, right? So the guys, I will jump down, we'll call the cops. The second his body pivoted to turn, <laughs> I was gone. My boy jumps off the fence and goes with them, right? So that night, I'm sitting there about to watch the Cosby show, and then I hear boom, boom. You know that, that knock, right? So, well, that was my first knock of many that sounded like that. And then uh, I look out the window, I see like five cops there. I'm running my mom's room. The cops are the door. I don't know what they hear. I didn't do nothing. Well, then fucking open the door then. Like, so my mom talked to me all the time. And then uh, they just fucking boom, kicked open the door. That was the first time a gun was to my face from cops uh, in my life. And then. And how old were you again 12. at this? Um, oh, you was out here moving. Uh, uh, oh, actually, sorry. That was 14. That was 14. And then. Um, <coughs> so um, the kid's mother was a cop. So I guess she was beating him until he told her wow. who the other person was. Wow. Uh, but what are you going to do? We're kids. Solo we're kids. Like, so, uh, yeah, so then that's when, because my mom was sick of getting me from the police stations, that's when she was like, I'm sending you your fucking father in the suburbs. So I didn't live with my dad my whole life. He, moved, he left from, you know, I, maybe four. I was four, maybe. Um, and the only remember I remember my dad when I was a kid is... 
on top of my mom choking her to death and she like was almost dead. That's what I remember from, from him prior to going to live. And then, um, so she sent me to the suburbs to him, 1988, uh, greatest year of my life. Mm. Uh, because it was a real culture shock. And like, I didn't even understand anything outside of a hood life, really. So when I went out there in the suburbs, I'm like, oh, that's how white families live? Like the dad works at a construction company, the mom drives into soccer, they got a fucking four-wheeler. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is, this is a different life. I didn't yeah. know about this life. Plus, I'm coming in there with a whole Adidas suit on, a dookie gold rope chain. So I'm like MTV to all the girls in the suburbs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All the guys hate me because like all the girls like me. So it was like, I've been exposed to so many worlds and different cultures and stuff. By the time I was 18, I lived like six lives. I mean, I hung up with pimps. I learned how, what, how to pimp when I was a kid, like drug dealers. My mom, when we were young, had like gay dudes and lesbians live with us. Like one of them would cross dress. So like everything, like my mom's friends were all black and Latino. So like I was exposed to everything so that everything was normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like anything was ever weird growing up or I never didn't consider everybody when I was considering anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Because everybody was everything. You know what how, I mean? How do all those experiences that you've, you know, talked about us, talked about to this point, how, how, how did they ultimately um, inform art, like music, like how those experiences, how did, how did those experiences inform your art? Well, from songwriting, it influenced it because I, again, I, I know how to type into the psyche. So there was a, there's what I like, what I feel like, what I'm feeling and going through, which most of the feelings I have is most of the world has, right? Which is like hurt, pain, desire to be loved, appreciated, you know what I'm saying? Considered, worthy, uh, heartbroken. So like those are just universal. Everybody feels that, right? We all go through those things. So it starts off with what I'm feeling when I'm writing a song. Then, then I add the science to it. You know what I mean? Like what word can I change that touches more people? What line would be more like, oh, that was a cold line, than what I just kind of wrote from my feelings? So I take into consideration, because I know so many different worlds and people, what would be the thing that touches the most? So whether it's fashion or a company or writing a song, it's always like taking in consideration everybody, like I just said, as opposed to just like talking to an echo chamber of people that think like me mm. or like mine, which by the way, there isn't people that think like me, rarely that I met, you know what I'm saying? But what I mean by that is most people like, I've always been somebody that wanted to hang around with people that don't look or talk like me because I can learn more and become mm. stronger. Most people want to hang around like-minded people because they want their ideas and thoughts endorsed, right? So they want to be like, they want to be like, yeah, man, da 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 da, right? Hell yeah, bro, hell yeah, because yeah. that's all y'all fucking know. Because yeah. your brain's right here. You know what I'm saying? I want my brain to like, psh, 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 psh. fuck. I never even thought of that way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I've been that way since I was a kid. So that's what even even like how we were talking about artists earlier. Like I'm looking at it from marketing, music image, that, everything all at once. The second I look at something and I hear something, I don't, I don't think like a rifle, I think like a shotgun. Yeah. So my thoughts go like that and my mind's always a five lane, fast lane highway at all times, which sometimes is a problem. Cause like my son said to me the other day, he goes, man, your mind's like a fucking car that's always idling, man. When do you turn off? And he's right. I don't know how to turn off. So that's like something I'm working on now is how do I unplug yeah. from the spectacular that's going on in my brain at all yeah. times. Yeah, I was going to ask the, the <clears throat> balance of, because um, you have so much going on, you know, um, but I think you just hit on it. It's like not being able to turn off. Like, where, where do you feel the most calm? You know, when do you feel that you're doing work? Working? Yeah, like, I just want to do dope shit with dope people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I've ever wanted to do. But this. There's very little dope people yeah. in, uh, in this world to do business with. And it's very rare to find other dope people. Not just like... When you say dope, are you meaning... I'm about to explain. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because like, there's a lot of people that have a dope talent. 
But but dope isn't just like yo, you're a dope singer, you're a dope executive, you're a dope, you know. Dope is also how you communicate, how you treat people, mm -hmm. you know, how you follow up. Like people who mistake what being great is or what being dope is, like pay for your child support. You know what I'm saying? Treat your girl right. Mm. Eat well. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just a lot of things that like people are out here like talking about how dope they are. It's like, man, 90% of your life is not dope. Yeah. But you're patting yourself on the back for that 10% that you are dope at. You know what I'm saying? But like, bro, you aren't, you aren't dope. You're dope at that thing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And there's a big difference from like you being dope to being dope at something. Wow. Okay. That was a soundbite right there. Yeah. I, I would say that's a soundbite. <laughs> there's so much. Um, alignment, right? Dope people. People that can help your mind, your mental, your career, those things, like you said, grow and expand. Who, who were some of, or who was, who was an early person that mentored you or wrapped their arms around you that you learned even more than what you, you gathered on your own journey in your early in your career? Who were some of those people that you know, really wrapped their arms around you? Nobody. Um, that's why I was saying I learned from life uh, and I had to just like figure out why and think about why would that guy do that so the only kind of sort of thing that happened um, well I guess my mom would be the most influenced music because she was always playing like Hall and Oates and the Commodores and Michael Jackson and Prince and like so all that stuff like music was put inside me probably because my mom played music and like my radio was my best friend as a kid so everything I know I learned from my radio because I just sat in my room a lot and I'd listen to Queen right and I'd listen to Michael Jackson and I'd listen to Prince but I, I was a Prince fanatic when I was a kid I walked around with a broomstick like uh, but like you know these songs talking to me and teaching me about life and what to pay attention to and what to look forward to as I get older right <clears throat> so if Michael Jackson told me about someone named Billie Jean that's going to lie and say that, I'm learning that. I'm not just listening to it as a song. I'm listening to the lessons in these songs. You know, when Prince is talking about, yo, she's a little red Corvette, and like basically like, yo, you should slow down, stop fucking around so much with all these guys, I'm taking that lesson in as a kid. So when it was the music or because I didn't have a dad, I looked at like Sylvester Stallone and like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like those guys in movies as a as a role model of what a man is supposed to be mm. because they were like you know keep people honest do the right thing you know fight for what's right take care of your family so I thought that's what a man was supposed to be because that's mm. who I was learning from mm. so that's why I'm still here to this day with those same principles and values of being a great father being a great man to my wife being a great business partner treating people well it's why you know you know, you've been around a long time. It's why I can call anybody in the industry. It's not because I'm popular. It's because I'm a good dude and because I do good business and I'm trustworthy. I mean what I say, I say what I mean, and I always come through, right? So I could not talk to someone for seven years and call them. Now they're the CEO of, you know, a record label. I'm like, yo, and they, they take my call. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a lot of people don't pay attention to their reputation. The greatest IP you could ever build in your life is yourself. <laughs> Right? And a lot of people don't do that. They focus on whatever the skill is they think that they have. Yeah. Right? It's my podcast. It's my clothing line. It's yeah. my song. Mm. That shit can go away. You are forever. Yeah. Right? So you should be focusing on the dope you mm. so that whatever you build off of that is going to be an extension of this dope. If you're relying on this dope to make this dope, it ain't going to work. This dope is what makes all of these things you do dope. That's beautiful. That's dope. <laughs> um, educator. I mean, do you, do you look at yourself as an educator now? Um, I, guess, I guess I would say I've always been somebody that had a desire to teach people um, what they're doing wrong, right? Um, or what they could be doing better. I mean, the beginning of my book says, like, in this book, I'm going to teach you how to do more dope shit and less whack shit, mm -hmm. right? And I see people do whack shit all the time. Um, but yes, I mean, I love 
teaching people. I love giving information. I love giving out game. But that's not new. It's not like I just jumped on a trend. I've been that guy forever. Yeah. Before I wrote this book, <clears throat> I almost didn't write it because I've never been someone that chased trends. As you were saying, I always forecast trends. And I'm always ahead of the curve. I'm always like, yo, we should mix this with this. We should do that with that. We should like, let's put EDM with hip hop. And everyone's like mad at me. And let's do this. And like, let's bring hip hop to Vegas. Like all the things that like, I kind of move forward. So I'm always like getting people hip to like, yo, you need to know about this. And by the way, I don't even do it with the intention of financial gain for myself. I do it out of caring about people and culture. Mm. So if I know like, if I know Malik, is dope at this thing, and I heard about this thing because I just read it, I'm gonna hit him like, yo, do you know about this? Let me tell you why this would be dope for you. Because I did research and da 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 da, and you know how you're good at this? Well, if I connect you with this guy, it'll help you doing this, and then you'll be able to do this, and that other project you're working on, it'll help open the door for this. That's how my brain thinks, and I'm always trying to help everybody around. I've always been that guy. So it only became natural that I wrote this book. Oh, the point I was making that is like, but I didn't wanna make a course and book and all that stuff, because I started seeing, it wasn't music, nobody in music was doing this. Nobody was doing music education four years ago, like with courses and books and da da da. Yeah. Um, but I could see that the industry of courses and books and all that type of stuff, and I didn't want to be lumped into what I look at as like scammers. They're all just full of shit, just trying to make money off you, selling you pipe dreams and fake inspiration. But Damon John was like, no. That's why you need to write this book, because you are a real one. And we need more people like you out here really helping people in the real way. So that's why he wrote the foreword to that book. But yeah, so I mean, I enjoy even being here. You know, maybe someone watched this and like got some game from what we talked about. You know, maybe somebody else is dealing with, you know, sexual abuse as a kid and is like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Why am I holding on to this? It's not my fault. It's yeah. like, I didn't cause this. So why am I carrying around a burden or guilt or trauma that I didn't cause. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I did something dickish two years ago I don't think twice about. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that was your fault. Yeah. It's, it's fucking weird. And it's like, you know, if, 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 I, if I crashed on my bike when I was 12 and broke my leg, am I still worrying about it at 40 years old? It happened. It's over. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. It's, it's over. Yeah, we allow those things sometimes to be a crutch. And you need to, the more and more of those things happen, the more you continue to like lean on those well, things. Well, those are weak times. people, man. Those are weak yeah. people. And I'll tell you, um, I've realized in my life, because of all of the success I've had and the relationships I've been able to build and the experiences that I've been through, I realized that the traumatic things for me like my father's alcoholism, like child uh, sexual abuse, I don't look at it like it happened to me, more that it happened for me, right? Because that happening, it almost feels like God was like, look bro, I'm gonna have all this fucked up shit happen to you, but don't worry, you're gonna get through it. And when you get through it, trust me, your shit's gonna be fucking dope. Just let me put you through this bullshit so you can go help other motherfuckers be better. Like, I kind of feel that way. I don't know if you believe in God and all that yeah, stuff, but like, but like, it almost feels like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's no way. I know that I'm an anomaly. I know that all that I've been through and what the kind of man I became, I know that that's rare. Why? Because I pay attention to people and personalities and characteristic traits. And I understand others because I care enough to know how they feel and how they think. So I know, like, oh, that guy's an asshole, that guy. You know, if you want to know the answers to life, just fucking listen. They're there. Everybody's giving you the answers. People are protesting, right? People are in the news. Your girl will tell you, I don't like when you do this to me. Your son will say, I don't like this. Your mother will tell you, this is not a smart thing for you. Like, the answers are there. But everybody, for some odd reason, comes standard with thinking they know better without really having the education or the experience. Mm. I don't know if you guys have kids, but you know, yeah. you'll have a 17-year-old like, oh, that's not how it works because they think they know it all. Like we probably did when we were kids, right? Of course. But it's like you, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And like you just don't know. And like there's a lot of times, even when you're 
you know, debating with another adult in a business thing. Their goal is to be right. Their goal is to, to show that they're smart and they got the answers. Beware of those people because those are weak people that are just trying to win with their ego. Yeah. The person that listens and the person that says, that's a, that's a good point, what about this? That's a person that's not win in this argument to win against the other person. They're here to win for the right conclusion or the answer. And most people aren't like that. Most people feel like in order to win, they have to make somebody else lose. Mm. In my world, making somebody else win is me winning. You know, it's amazing because uh, I was watching um, the inductions into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this past year, mm -hmm. and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were two of the inductees. And Jimmy Jam said, you know, me and Terry have been together, what, 30, 40, whatever the, the number was. He said, but we've never had an argument. We've disagreed, but we've never had an argument because he's like, the argument is steeped in, I want to win. And he was like, Any, I don't want to win. I don't want to beat my brother. I want us to come to a solution, mm -hmm. an amicable resolution, so that we keep going and we keep doing what we do. Mm -hmm. do. So to your point, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely about um, not finding uh, a way to Beat the other person. Beat the other person. Yeah. It's like, yo. And sometimes there's, sometimes there's more than one answer. Yeah. Or absolutely. sometimes there's a modified version of the answer that you already have. Mm -hmm. But you'll never learn other alternative ways or maybe better ways or how other people think. Like even, let's just take an artist, for instance, who gets mad at someone that shits on their music, which is it's whack that somebody would say something negative in the first place. Just don't say anything if you don't like it. But if someone is going to be like, your shit's whack. Or like, you know, the internet, man, just die. You know what I'm saying? Like, like whatever it is, like, the fact that that bothers you, I've never understood why that would bother somebody. Especially now on the internet, most people are just trolls. Because I'll tell you, nine out of ten people, I rarely get anything negative said to me online. But let's say, it, let's say 20 times, right? Uh, 18 of those 20 times, I go on a DM, I don't publicly respond, because you'll never outwit me. You never, I'll, I'll shit on you in my sleep, but I don't, my goal isn't to make you look bad. My goal is to enlighten you, right? So I'll go on DM and say, hey man, I noticed your, your comment about da da da, sorry you didn't like that song, or da da, maybe you'll like the next song, but thanks for giving it a shot anyhow, right? 95% mm -hmm. people will be like, yo, oh shit, my bad bro, like da da, -da. Then, then they become a fan and they apologize and they're sorry for even writing something stupid like that. Because, like, you know, in the internet now, like, you don't, we're so, like, desensitized to, like, human beings yeah. and feelings and pain, right? And when you make it, when you humanize it and you say, hey, man, you're nice to them, like what I say earlier, everybody wants to be heard, everybody wants a hug, everybody wants attention, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I was doing. I knew what that guy, I knew what feeling he needed he to be fulfilled attention. when he wrote that negative thing, and I filled that feeling for him. Yeah, yeah. And probably, probably, like you said, turned it around and um, made him a fan. Made him a fan, and I think we're, especially with internet, we feel like we have to respond immediately. You know, if you look at like when people post things, I think Kayla Plant call it like the top comment syndrome. Mm. It's like the first person who can say the most mean, shittiest thing. You know what I mean? Mm. But being able to diffuse it in that way. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's growth, and I think that's what we have to strive for, um, as just people in general. Is is we have to put the human component back into it. Well, I think people come standard with negative. Yeah, you have to work. You have to buy the positive upsell. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that comes with work. Look at it this way: if you bought a standard car, but you want to get all these upgrades, what do you got to do? You got to work to make the money to buy those upgrades, mm -hmm. right? So if you are, come standard with like, you read something, ah, oh, look at this dude talking about I ain't fucking coming. Like, everybody reads a text like that. The guy could have literally been like, I, I ain't coming, with a smile on his face. But we automatically retort to negative, yeah. right? So the same way you have to work to have money to go buy the upgrades, 
for that car is the same way you have to work to build characteristic traits and a reputation to upgrade your standard negative you know, way of thinking. Music, are, are you, you still, I mean, you never not a fan of music, but how do you feel about like this? I have a song on Hot 100 Billboard chart right now. Get familiar, man. Of course, music will always be part of my life. I got a record I wrote and produced with Lady Gaga. I think it's 41 on Billboard Hot 100 right now. Okay. What about the landscape of hip hop? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for new artists, finding new shit. And... But how do you feel about its current state? Like, what do you think about the current uh, state of music? I mean, I love different artists that experiment with different sounds. I'm not a fan of, you know, copy and paste. Mm. You know what I mean? I think, I think, but I think we're getting to a point now where everyone, even the artists themselves, are starting to, look, we come from an era where, um, when we would find somebody dope, you know how we would, you know, how we would go get somebody hyped on it? You know, I found this kid, he don't sound like nobody, mm -hmm. right? And we'd be like, word? Like, yeah, man, da, da, da. And then that's how we'd be excited about it. Today's you is like, yo, this dude is dope because he sounds just like blah, 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 right? And I think, but that's been going on kind of since like 16, 2016 now, where it's kind of like the same distorted 808 sample loop, auto-tune, yeah. right? I think it's starting to run its course. I think I'm starting to feel people get uh, over it a little bit and wanted to experiment with different concepts in the songs. And different, like, look what little Yachty just did. Yeah. You know, and Yachty was like the leader of like, you know, that new wave. Did you see that Saturday Night Live performance? Yeah. The Black Seminole? Yeah, I love, I oh, love what no. he's doing. But that's, but I love- Growth. People, I love people that experiment, like I love, Whenever I would go into writing sessions with producers, I always would say, play the beats that nobody else understood. Play the beats that it was like, nah, that doesn't make sense. That's what I want to hear. Because uh, I don't want to hear like, look, anyone, I could sit here and make 10 beats today that are just like, you dig? <laughs> like, like, you know, 808, some hi-hat, like, yeah. make a, anyone can make those. There's no, like, there's no, that's a job at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see how that's fun when you're not creating and you're innovating and you're experimenting. To each his own, but for me, I want to go in and be like, oh, man, let's, oh, that sounds like a piece of that Beatles record, and that sounds like a piece of Drake, and that sounds like something from Weezer, and that's a guitar lick from, that, like, and you bring those things together, and then you put some drums in it, it's like, this don't sound like nothing. The difficult part about that is, because a lot of people will say, yeah, I want to do that too, and I hear that a lot. But then the, the, the pool of artists that are away, uh, out now aren't experimental like that. So you have to find the artist yourself yeah. and break that sound with new artists. Because you know as an A&R that, <clears throat> you know, it's, your job as a producer isn't to recreate what that artist already did. Your job is to help stretch that artist sure. to take the next step and go further. But it can't be too far. So you have to understand what's far enough to show growth, but not so far that they feel uncomfortable taking that big leap. Mm. You know, Yachty took a huge leap, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. like the average artist, like whenever you hear like Rihanna's working on a, the look list, Rihanna's working on a new album, everyone's making Rihanna from 10 years ago music. Yeah. And it's like, sure, I did that, bro. Like make shit that is like brings out the brand new Rihanna, yeah. that everybody follows that sound now. And I think there's so many artists too that don't understand the power they have. Right? When, when you do follow the wave just to fit in, right? Once you become so powerful, you now can direct the whole crowd. Mm -hmm. When you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're kind of whack. So like you're wasting all of that power. Like look at Drake. He's like, yeah, now I'm gonna do this. Now I'm gonna do this. And what do all the young boys do? What Drake just did. Yep. Right? How many times do you say, oh, that's like a Drake vibe. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he created his own vibe. Yeah. Like, don't you want to create your own shit? But then people, and I know that the way to get in is like, but if, I'm, if I do my own shit, no one's going to get it. That's because you're chasing somebody else's audience. Safe. You're chasing somebody else. That's not your audience, bro. Go find your audience. There's an audience that's going to like what you're making. 
but you're fucking neglecting them and dissing them because you're chasing this audience that doesn't fuck with you and then you're upset and feel deflated because they don't fucking rock with you because you're going after the wrong audience. Yeah. It's the same thing in business. It's the same thing with products. Same thing with technology. It's, it's, everything's the same. Beginning of this conversation, back to the end. Everything is the same. It's the same formula, right? And like, even when like, there'll be times where, you know, say a business partner of mine would be like, why is that the right way to do it? Because it's your way. And I'm like, I feel bad when they say something like that because what they don't realize is that it's not my way, it's the way that I just figured out and learned how to master. And you're not smart enough to recognize that. You think it's my way because you don't know what the right way is. Well, let me tell, let me show you. So, um, you have a daily routine because you're so busy and you talked about how your son was like, you're in I, when, when, when do you, do you have like a regimen? I wake up every day at this, I, you know, I dedicate X amount of time to this, 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 and this, like, do you have, you know? Yeah, I'm usually up, my morning is usually 6.30, 6, 6.30. Uh, I have a smoothie every morning for breakfast and then I usually prepare my kids breakfast. Um, and then while I'm doing that, you know, responding to things, making a post, writing copy. Like, I multitask all the time. Mm. So I'm always doing them. There's nothing that makes me more happier than being able to do, like, three things at one time. <laughs> at the, I'm on cloud nine. A machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love being able to I'm taking care of my kids. I'm responding to this. I'm doing that. And I, wish I, I wish my house would... I could be like walking on it. The floor was a treadmill the whole time <laughs> while I'm working and just doing everything all the time. What excites you still um, to continue like just forging ahead with everything and finding new endeavors and finding new music and writing for people still and like everything that, that you're still doing, like what, what, what's the excitement? You know, you've had the success. I'm sure you've made a ton of money. Yeah. Um, what's the... Um, well, nothing externally. It's, I internally excite myself um, by creating new ideas that I can now work to bring to life. Um, so people sit around waiting for something else to excite them or interest them or bring them in. I always create them. What am I going to do next? You know, you know, how can I evolve with this? Or how can I amplify that? Um, so even like with gaming, like when I first got into the gaming space um, and I became part of a company called, well it wasn't a company yet, uh, these kids called FaZe Clan. Yep. And um, when I went there, I, di I didn't know what esports and stuff was. So I got brought into that fold and they were just starting to form a company. And I kind of assessed it for a couple of days to see what it was all about. And I realized, holy shit, this world can be what my brain has been built for because my brain has always been too big for everything that I was doing. It's like you're talking to a guy that like lowered himself from a helicopter through the roof onto his turntables on the grand opening in Las Vegas. Like that's how my brain thinks, right? So um, I realized, holy shit, I can connect music, gaming, fashion, art, culture, different age groups into this world of gaming. Uh, so. You know, they didn't have any revenue and no business model or anything, so we created that, and then I connected everything to... But this is something I've always did since I was a kid. I was always the guy that would, even in, like, the cafeteria at school, I would go sit with, like, you know, the, 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 the white kids, the black kids, the Asian kids, the kids downstairs that you don't even know what they do until you see them at lunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, you know, the... the, the English second language kids, yeah. the special ed kids. Like, I hung out with everybody. I talked to everybody at school. And I would sit at the different tables and listen to people, what they care about, what they like. And I'd be like, oh, he likes this too. And then I'd go talk to, you know, the jock that would never have talked to this kid before. And then all this, and I was always into making people friends and cool. And then, uh, so when I got here, I was like, holy shit, I can bring all these cultures together. And I brought everybody from Offset to Sway Lee to Pitbull, Yo Gotti, DJ Paul, Ray J, Troy Carter, and then all these big brands, um, <clears throat> and then these initiatives and ideas into Faze, which then ultimately helped make them the big popular brand that they were. But yeah, so then I wanted to leave that and start another company called Exet because it was, um, I struggled there 
because there were just some there were politics in that company that were preventing a lot of things from happening that I knew were necessary for the company to have the authenticity that it needed to have mm -hmm. to bring these things together and work and stay real. Um, so it was a constant battle with that. So I, I figured, you know, I'm bringing all this dope shit here anyways because I'm dope, right? <laughs> and uh, I was like, let me just go start another dope company that actually gives a shit about culture, that actually understands culture, right? And I'm a big believer that you can't stand for culture. You can't truly stand for culture if you didn't stand in culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's like culture's not like the, the hottest new memes and the new sneaker drop. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what this generation thinks culture is. Like, they don't understand the harshness of certain words, the feelings, the struggle. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know, right? And I'm not blaming them, but, like, you can't come out here and just try to tokenize the word culture. culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you want to change the definition of it. That's not the definition of culture. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like it, it's, for me to understand you isn't just because the way you dress. For me to understand you, it's like, I understand. We, you could talk to me and tell me what, what hood you come from. Right, and we'll take, say one or two things, and like, it's back in the day when we real recognize real, right? Yeah. Like, you just know, you say a couple things, like, all right, yeah, all right, he's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, the internet, people assume other people's identities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the internet, you just think you know what real is now because you heard or read it from somebody else, or you heard it in a song. Yeah. It's like Mike Tyson, it's the whole world, like Mike Tyson said, until you get punched in the face, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You don't know. It's all good until you get punched in the face. Yeah. And that's with everything, with culture, with reality, with like, you know, people out here. Just think about how many kids out here acting like they're hard and then they walk into the wrong neighborhood. And then they really see what hard is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, nah, this ain't, this ain't a joke. You think I'm fucking around? You think, you think this is okay? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you get pistol whipped or something, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God! All of a sudden, he went from being this guy to like, this little bitch, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and like, just be real who you are. Yeah. Like that, that's all life is. Just be real. If you're, if you're not tough, don't act tough. If you're not super cool, figure out like what's cool or what's cool to you. Because mm -hmm. what's cool to you is all that fucking matters is cool. You don't have to chase somebody else's cool. You don't have to wear what they wear, drive what they drive, listen to what they listen to. Again, you're chasing the wrong audience. Right? Like, and I've always been that way. Even coming up, when people would bag on me because of what I was wearing or <clears throat> I dressed wild when I was a kid. I had like different styles because I was like, dude, De La Soul, Me, Myself, and I was the song that made me be like, I, right, I'm gonna be original, who I am. I literally had like True Goy's haircut. You know what I'm saying? Like a white kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm wearing like purple pants and like I just dressed crazy and I did what I wanted and I moved how I wanted to move and I was always. It was lonely. As a kid, I was lonely because it was like very like Punky Brewster. You know, I like Punky Boo's like an original, so different from every other, like, so like, I was a very lonely kid, but it paid off dividends as I got older, because every, because I never drank alcohol either, so like when I would go to parties, I was always like very special and different when I stepped in the room, right? It's almost like, it's almost like you're famous when you're not famous, when you have an original style, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, especially back then, like when you were different, you were like almost like a celebrity, like yeah. in school and stuff. Like you're popular in school because you're just the guy, right? So, <clears throat> so uh, I walk in when club um, parties and stuff. Like they be like, "Yo, Clinton's here." So I always, I kind of already knew what it felt like to have some kind of fame as a kid because when I'd walk in school, girls would be like, "Ah," oh, or like you know the, the the dudes would start. It would be funny because they'd hate me at first, Man. then when they would see I wasn't a threat. And I was cool because I knew how to talk because I knew how they needed to feel, right? And they all would like, I was a cool guy to them now. So all the tough guys would all have my back. Don't fuck with Clinton. You know what I'm Because he's our guy. Whether that was the hood, whether it was the Italian mob, whether it was like the white jocks at school, whatever it was, I always got passes and credibility because I was a real dude and I was really me, right? So like... There's so much I can elaborate on this, but even like coming up as, as a DJ, there was so many DJ crews, right? And it was like, yo, you want to be this crew? You want to be in this crew? And it's like, ah, but if I'm in that crew, it almost makes it seem like I'm enemies of this crew now. And I want to be friends with everybody. So nah, I'll just be Clinton Sparks, get familiar. You know what I'm saying? Sad. And then I was just like friends with 
heavy hitters, big dogs, da da da. Like, it's like, yeah. every, I'm friends with them all. Everybody. If I was just like, say, heavy hitters, Flex might not fuck with me the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's a lot of that like coming up, and I navigated that a lot. And one other thing that's in my book, this story, is <clears throat> to show you like how to understand how to navigate your career the right way. I was offered the job at Power 105 in New York to go against Funkmaster Flex when that station was coming up. <coughs> they brought me to New York and you know, I was popping. I owned mixunit.com, like I was popping in the streets, I'm producing platinum records, crushing the clubs. So they're like, <coughs> we want to put you on to go against Funkmaster Flex. Now immediately, I'm like, this is it. I made it, I made it. I'm in New York radio, this is the top. You can't get higher than this at that point. So as they're talking, I started thinking to myself, wait a minute. It was like, it was like Saved by the Bell when he freezes and like looks at the camera and talks. And I was thinking that to myself. I was like, okay, I have a good relationship with Funk Flex right now. Funk Flex is also hip hop. Funk Flex is also probably one of the reasons I'm even, I even exist, right, as a DJ. Funk Flex paved the way for radio DJs. Funk Flex has all the respect of hip hop and hip hop artists. Funk Flex is New York City. Do I want to go up against that? And it wasn't even just about, do I want to be a white guy from Boston coming to New York going up against that? The bigger thing was, because no disrespect to Flex, I love Flex, as you can see how much admiration I have for him. But like, if it came down to skills, you wouldn't beat me. If it came down to being witty, yeah, you could have bigger talk because you're a flex and you can shit, but I mean like being clever, you wouldn't outwit me. However, my respect for flex was so big, and to this day it is, flex is a god. My respect is so big, I wouldn't even want to have to go up against someone I have that much respect about. Mm. I know I'd get ran out of New York anyways, but even the, even the battle before I got ran out, I wouldn't even want to have to take shots at yeah. someone that I, I love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, you guys should give this to DJ Clue. And that's how DJ Clue got on Power 105. Wow. I never told that story on the <laughs> podcast before. It's in my book, but if you didn't read the book, you wouldn't know. Huh. Yeah, but I don't, Clue doesn't even know he's on Power 105 because of me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, but I got, I got, dude, I got, Dozens of those kind of stories. The amount of um, self-awareness just seems like you, again, knowing who you are, is, is so important, I think, for people to hear because I think... Well, that's important. People watching, it's not... There's a difference in knowing who you think you are... And who you actually... And knowing who you really are. Yes. And that's through years of consistency and proving who you are, right? Trials and tribulations. Yeah, like, well, but it's like, I can come in here and say, I can walk into any company and, and listen to them talk for 10 minutes, like, I know how to fix this. And that's not because I'm conceited or I'm pompous or I think I know everything. It's because a formula that I figured out, right? And it's understanding what my strengths are. And I understand them <clears throat> because I'm very aware of where my strengths are and where I'm not strong. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm super, super highly dope at making things dope. People, businesses. So I know that I excel at that. And that's just not just my opinion. That's me proving over and over. Win, repeat, win, repeat, win, repeat, win, repeat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and I don't have 50 losses. I have zero. I've never lost, ever. And by the way, like I say that with all humility, because I don't mean it like, you can never beat me. I don't mean right. it like that, because that's ego talking. I'm talking from, you know, if, if I'm the coach of a team and we just, had, we just won 10 games in a row and I tell you we're undefeated the past 10 games, he's not an asshole because he just told you a fact. Yeah. Like, it's a fact. Yeah. I've just never lost. Because I do good business and I know how to make, get everybody to a win-win situation. <clears throat> I'm not here to beat you. I'm not here to win so you can lose. I'm here to figure out how we can win. And that's why I never lose. And I also will never lose because even if I don't have the right answer, a winning mentality will seek out and find the right answer from somebody else to get the win. I don't care who hits the home run. 
as long as we win the game. There it is. Clinton Sparks. Where can um, people check everything out that you got going on? If you're interested in winning big in the music business, you can go to ClintonSparks.com and get my course with over 65 videos. It's all free, by the way, all free. 65 videos, everybody's on there to teach you from marketing to networking to distribution to content creation, brand building, all free. I have two books on there that are all free. Three-day winner's workshop, all free. Products, all free. Now, you might be thinking, why is it all free, Clinton Sparks? <laughs> um, I spent you know, tens of thousands of my own dollars in 20-plus years of my own career putting these things together because if my goal is to make the world a better place, um, then part of that is trying to help make people better. Mm. And if they become better, hopefully they make the world a better place. So if I have all this information that I can just give you to make you better and help you win, why would I not? You know what I mean? So I, had, when I, I made over seven figures with these courses and stuff the past two years. And I just woke up one day and I was like, oh, I don't, don't want to sell shit. I just want to help. I want people's success to be a transaction, not their money. It's a legacy. Yeah. Real legacy. Uh, immensely um, appreciative and grateful of <laughs> you sitting down with this, but also your contribution to um, the culture. And Thank you. Again, like you said, not just the facade of the culture, the real and hearing your story um, is, is powerful. and. Um, I look forward to, to doing this again, man. Thank you. I, 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 thank you for having me on here. I'm honored to be on your show. Much respect to you guys. Thank you for bringing people on here to help enlighten and get other people familiar and help them develop a better path by hearing other people's stories. It's people like you guys that are opening up people's minds and giving the opportunity for people to see what their potential could potentially be. There it is. So, That's what it's about. Thank you for that. That's what it's about. Thank so, you, man. Uh, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, what do we do? Do we do make a human pyramid? Do we high five? <laughs> what do we do? Nah, it's it's like an awkward man. goodbye. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. This is almost like, yo, you want me to call you a cab? Is this a jump off? Nah, nah. <laughs> By the way, shout out to the dream. Your water is refreshing. Thank you very much. It is. And this is a crazy sweet, but a sweet life. What's a better sweet than the dream for the sweet life? Right. It is. By the way, if you don't have a sweet life, you better work on your life because I got a sweet life. There it is. Signing off. Peace. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.